Empire podcast this week. It's Christmas, Theo. It is a time for miracles. So be of good cheer and delight in what Empire has given you from the bottom of our bulging sack. There's Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg here to talk Daddy's Home and Tom Hooper blabbing all about the Danish girl. All that and more on the movie podcast that didn't get a Christmas bonus this year, but did get a subscription to the Jello of the Month Club. And that's the gift that keeps giving the whole year round. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt. Welcome to the Empire Podcast. Uh, before we begin, quick word of thanks. Uh, iTunes, in their infinite wisdom, have voted us one of their best podcasts of 2015. We're flattered and humbled by that. And it's all thanks to you guys, uh, listeners old and new, people who spread the word and don't send us hate mail covered in dog poo. We don't like that. Uh, at least I assume it's dog poo. Couldn't do without you. So consider this a big thank you from the heart from myself and the whole podcast team. Here's two of them. Hello, thank Hi. you. Hi, thank you very much. There we go. Uh, right, it's the last podcast of the year, if you don't count the three, three specials we have lined up over the next few weeks. Uh, we're full of Christmas cheer, aren't we? And, we are. And the cold, quite frankly. <laughs> um, this week I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. Uh, first up, there's our geek queen. Now, what do you get, the supernatural fan who is everything? Well... You get her one or both of the Winchester brothers, Dexler and Wexel, uh, tied up, gagged and bound and placed lovingly under the tree. I uh, really hope I put enough air holes in the box. Um, <laughs> hello, Helen O'Hara. Hello. I don't really approve of kidnapping, would you, for the record. Is it Dexler or Wexel? Who, who's your favourite? Again, which one would you... Um, I mean, I, I would have to say... Hexler. Okay. Yeah. I took the precaution uh, before I crammed them into the box yeah. of removing their shirts. Oh, well, thank goodness, because otherwise it would be very, very lacking in space <laughs> in there. Yeah. They, I had to oil them up to get them oh, in. Oh, no. It's a, it's a quite small box and they're quite big men. They are, yes. So I had to, you know, yeah. just Gosh, get, this is, get under them. I mean, thank you for going to all of that effort. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Next up is our soundtrack supremo. A lady who'll be getting a new pair of chinos for Christmas. A new pair of Michael Giacchinos. How do you pronounce his name? Giacchino. Giacchino. I've always wanted a pair of chinos. What's that? Two German cinemas. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's, it's Emma Thrower. How are you? (laughs) Good, thank you. Good, good, good. Uh, What do you want for Christmas? I would like Clint Mansell to compose a unique score just for me. Not going to (laughs) happen. You haven't given him much time, in fairness. No, it's true. He's got a week. Clint, if you're listening... He could definitely do it. Yeah, yeah, he could do that. Right, well, you know what this means, having you both in the podcast? What? It means that this podcast passes the Bechdel test. uh, In which, Yeah, in which uh, two women in a movie have a conversation about something other than men. What do you think of that, Helen and Emma? Actually, Helen, did I tell you about the guy I went on a date with last night? No, tell me more. Um, He really looked a bit like one of the Winchester boys, actually. Oh my goodness, this sounds very promising. (sighs) Yeah, I did think of you. And and would you say that Oscar Isaac has the better hair in Force Awakens or is it Adam Driver? Driver definitely is deserving of like a L'Oreal ad. (laughs) It's time for your questions. (laughs) <laughs> You've sent in some Christmas-themed crackers for us to tackle this week. Uh, we're going to do some quick-fire stuff. Here they are, at JFG in Digital 3D. That's the toughest Twitter name to say. <laughs> what films that have absolutely zero association with Christmas do you watch every festive season? Uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Because it makes <laughs> it makes my mum laugh so hard she falls off the sofa. <laughs> do you want your mum to fall off the sofa? I mean, I do when she's laughing that hard. It's really funny. <laughs> I think there's something that's I should say she, sociopathic. She has not injured herself in falling off the sofa. We have a well-carpeted floor. 
Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I don't have a tradition. It would be something with my sister, something happy that reminds us of our childhood, like Jumanji or Hook. No Hook, tradition. Hook is, Hook is Christmassy. Very Christmassy. I don't know if I have one. I mean, I, I tend to watch a lot of Christmas films, but this year my wife and I are going to uh, start a new tradition of watching Paddington. Oh, brilliant. Awesome. Which isn't set at Christmas, but feels like it is. Yeah, it totally Definitely. is. And sort of. it's, it's wonderful and heartwarming and has a talking bear. <laughs> so they're pretty much all the boxes ticked. I'm going to try my mum on John Wick. I think it'll also make her laugh. <laughs> I'm getting a, This is a weird insight into you. It shows we can all grow as people, I guess. Uh, so Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah. And John Wick. Yeah. My mum, I should make clear, like mostly watches sort of mum films. Uh-huh. But... So we put. I actually put on Tucker and Dale versus Evil for the first time after I thought she'd gone to bed because I was like, she won't want to watch this. I'll put this on for my brother and sisters, and and then she came back downstairs having just been beautifying herself or something, and uh, and sat down to watch it. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure you'll like this. It's a bit gory, and then she proceeded to have the best time ever. So wow. you know, there you go. Which Shane Black Christmas movie would you pick? I'm on three. Sorry. Oh, straight in, straight in, straight <laughs> yeah. in with Iron Man 3. I have already watched that this season, uh, so maybe Lethal Weapon. Mm. haven't watched that one yet. And I've also watched Kiss Kiss Bang Bang this season. I've been doing quite well on Shane Black. As far as I can tell, the nice guys is instead of Christmas, which is a... Uh, what? Bit of a shame. Are but we sure he was involved? <laughs> uh, looks great, though. At Alex Jalen asks, which movies would have been approved by being set at Christmas instead of another time of year? Independence Day. Yeah, Halloween. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Apocalypse Now could have done with some more tinsel. <laughs> Surely. Yes. Yeah, that would have been... That would have been a Godfather? Yeah, yeah. You know, when, when Sonny gets shot and, and Don Corleone's looking at him. My boy, my boy, with his, with his tinsel and his, <laughs> his baubles around his ears. Yeah, I could have done that. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> 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 And CMW Ashby asks, if John McClane was locked in a building and infested with gremlins, who would win? John McClane. <laughs> but but Brain Gremlin might give him a run for his money. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think John McClane as well. Because it's interesting, if you look at all the Die Hard movies, at, at no point does he get anyone wet steady. Wow. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> Come on. And he doesn't actually pause to eat very often either, no. so he should be fine. <laughs> At Reed92 asks, best scene in the snow? Uh, most of Fargo? Yes, very, very good. Fight um, at the end of Kill Bill, volume one. There's nothing as festive as seeing Luke put in the belly of the beast, quite literally, yeah. in uh, Empire. Empire. Yeah, Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> uh, the end of The Thing? Uh, of course. When uh, when <laughs> when McCready and, and Childs make snow angels? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and live happily ever after. <laughs> and, and hell comes and they're, and they're saved and they, they don't freeze to death. Can I opt for the whole of Force Majeure? You absolutely can. Why not? Phil's not here. Our art house guru, Phil DeSimna, is not here. And I know he'd be going, um, uh, Akiru. <laughs> yeah, obviously he would. Yeah, he'd be so. saying that. He'd be going for that. He'd be going nuts for that. And quite rightly so. Um, and, you know, it's a wonderful life. Yeah. It's all good. Snow's just good, I think. Snow's great. Yeah. We like snow. Hooray for snow. Yeah, good snow. Well done, snow. (laughs) Um, Right. We're racing through these very, very quickly. Which movie character would you most like to invite over for Christmas lunch or dinner? The Vision. (laughs) (laughs) Currently. Really quick with these. (laughs) That was was very quick. This is your subconscious talking. It's just my Marvel subconscious, isn't it? Oh, so in that case, it'd be like Captain America. But I was actually thinking uh, uh, Richard Attenborough's Santa Claus. Because oh, if you're going to have Christmas, like, have Christmas, you know. That's true. Mm. 
That'd be very, very Also, I hear he can get me a house in the country, like a really nice one and a promotion (laughs) at work. So, and a husband. So, like, it seems like a really good idea to invite him over. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Creosote. (laughs) Do you have enough food in the house? Uh, Well, I've got a consignment of Wafferth and Mints in. Oh, you should be fine then. I think it'd be all right. The cleanup operation afterwards yeah. would be would be horrendous. Yeah, it's had messy. Yeah, it would be. But he'd be an interesting conversationalist. I wonder what a Christmas dinner with Withnail would be like. <laughs> Boozy. Mm. Yeah, I suspect he would. I suspect Withnail would no longer be with us <laughs> if that film was set in the real world. All right, quick, another couple of quick ones. Dan J. Brady asks the best movie Santa and the actor you would most like to see playing him in the future. Ooh. Ooh. Well, I think I've already answered the best movie centre, uh, Richard Attenborough. I think it's great, mm-hmm. it, honestly. Okay. Um, David Huddleston's going to argue with you. Actor, I would most like to see play him in the future. Um, I've talked before about my enormous admiration of Brendan Gleeson's stripy beard. When his beard ceases to be stripy and becomes oh. white, <laughs> Brendan Gleeson is Santa Claus. Awesome. Wouldn't he? Can you be an Irish Santa Claus as well? Yes. Like, properly? Well, I mean, I didn't want to give any secrets away, but <laughs> I, I, actually, Santa is Irish. Is he? Yeah, he just moved north. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, how far north? Quite, quite a long just way. the north. <laughs> With his big bulging sack. Oh my goodness, you have what? to make everything rude, Chris. I don't have to make everything rude. Jesus. As, as long as Donald can be his chief elf. Coming down your chimney. Yes, very much that. on board of that. Yes, that'd be good. That'd be good. Uh, I think, yeah, why not Will Ferrell? Why not Will Ferrell? <laughs> why not? Will Ferrell as Santa not? Claus. Yeah. Go for it in the future. He played the elf. Why not graduate? Uh, what about Bill Murray as Santa? Um, I think you need Santa to be a little bit more predictable. <laughs> I feel like he's a he's a, he would be a spirit of Christmas, but more of a sort of like he would actually be a great ghost of Christmas, mm-hmm. past, present, future. I don't mind, but I'm not sure I, I would trust him to to do the administration work necessary to deliver billions of presents okay. in a single night. Okay. What about? Um this is maybe tailored for you, Helen, specifically, but what about Jensen Padalekels, uh from from Supernatural? I mean... Yeah. Doesn't have the belly like a tub full of jelly. Uh, shirtless that would be the Santa. Heaving sack. <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like, like, physiologically, you know, they're not quite cut out for it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, but, I mean, if they wanted to sort of audition, that would be fine. This is a good one. Uh, from Anne Merriweather who's the best Scrooge on film Bill Murray I'm going to see Jim Broadbent on Monday so oh, oh that's nice give him, give him our love will do say hello to us but also he's playing S- Scrooge yeah. oh right Mrs. I Carol see yes. Hensby, yeah, <laughs> okay I think. hmm I wouldn't say Jim Carrey I quite rightly so what about Alistair um, Sim uh, I do like Alistair Sim I do like Michael Caine mm-hmm. I do like Scrooge McDuck yeah, we're just listing people now. Well, I like them all. Uh, well, I'm going to have to stick with Bill Murray. Okay. The correct answer yeah. is Michael Caine in Muppet Christmas Carol. That's what I have on my card. So, sorry for that. <laughs> uh, and then the very, very last question from Natalie Lowe, NC Lowe. Uh, if you could drop in on any filmic Christmas day, which would you choose? Okay, it would be a Muppet Christmas Carol because then you'd be having Christmas with the Muppets. Come okay. on. Yeah, I th- yeah. In line with that, I feel, you know, Christmas, generous spirit, time of help, uh, of need. Maybe head over to Tiny Tim and feed the boy up. You know, give them some help, mm. or just cook him, baste oh. him, <laughs> pop him in the oven for a few hours. 
Oh, wow. Keep them marinated. Wow. I mean, yeah, come on. The spirit of Christmas is not cannibalism. I got dark. Really dark, really fast. Sorry, I'm not the one who shows my parents John Wick (laughs) and Tucker and Dale versus Evil. All I'm suggesting is eating a young, slightly crippled boy. (laughs) All right, Jonathan Swift, enough with your modest proposals. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Um, I would say that, for me, most of the great Christmas films aren't actually set on Christmas Day. They take place either on Christmas Eve or right before it. Mm. So uh, I'd go for Die Hard. Because then I'd get, I'd get to, I, what I would do is I would go in and I would allow John McClane to win the day because obviously he's awesome. Yeah. But I'd also tell Hans, I'd, I'd be waiting on like the, the 25th floor with like a, a parachute. And I'd quickly, as he flew past, I'd quickly throw it onto Hans Gruber. And so he can quickly <gasps> trigger the parachute and get away. Because he deserves it, frankly, doesn't he? Do- no, oh, no. He's a terrible, <laughs> terrible human being. Why is he a terrible human being, Helen? Because he kills a bunch of people in order to steal lots of money. He kills, like, one person. Like a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. He kills Joseph Takagi. Well, what he about, the, what about the, the security guards downstairs? He, it's, not, it's not Hans' figure in what the What about that, that really nasty man who takes cocaine? Okay, he kills him as well. But he deserves it. What about his efforts to take kill Bruce Willis? Yes, but... What about re- taking everybody hostage and taking Bruce Willis's wife hostage? The, it's Christmas. What about saying his brother on You can't take someone hostage at Christmas. When can you take someone hostage? <laughs> never. You can never take someone hostage. Oh. It's oh. like eating Tiny Tim. It's yeah. something we don't do. <laughs> not even Tiny oh, okay, Tim. Okay, no, this is good. This is, good. <laughs> this is all going to my ledger. <laughs> do not eat Tiny Tim. Do not take people hostage on Christmas Eve. Okay, got it. Right, if you want to have your questions read right up on the Empire Podcast and afford the same respect we just afforded those, then do send them in via Twitter. We're at Empire Magazine. And you can use the force as well. You can, you can do that. Uh, and you can also email us, podcast at empireonline.com and Facebook us uh, where we're Empire Magazine. Right. Time for our first guest, or should I say guests, uh, Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell last teamed up on the big screen for 2010's The Other Guys, but now they're facing off against each other in the comedy Daddy's Home, which is out on Boxing Day. When they came to London recently, we sent John Jr. Nugent along to talk to them. Uh, word of warning, they were very funny indeed, as you might expect, but this was at a junket, not in our usual kind of environment, uh, and John's mic was a bit quiet. So, you're not here for us, you're here for them. Enjoy the interview with... And Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> wow, thanks for further confusing people and re-sound quality, Chris. You're terrible. <laughs> Enjoy. Mark Wahlberg, Will Farrell, welcome to the Empire Podcast. How are you? We're, we're both fantastic. We're splendid. I'm yeah? kind of looking to you for the whole idea. Okay. <laughs> for those listeners at home, Mark is staring intently at the side of my face. Uh, obviously, we're here to talk about Daddy's Home. Um, this is a, a film about a sort of one-upmanship between a, a dad and a stepdad. Um, I thought we could start by sort of seeing who might win in real-life versions of these okay. little games. Mm-hmm. So, first off, your characters tussle over a toolbox. Yes. How are you at basic masonry? In real well, life? I can replace light bulbs. Um, I can replace the batteries in the uh, remote for the TV. Oh, boo. I can put gasoline in my car. Can you put up a shelf? No, no way. Yeah. Shh, guys. I don't know about you. Can you Bob build? Can you build thing? Can you build things? Absolutely. Things? Yeah. Could you build a treehouse like you do in the film? Yes. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Uh, there's a big skateboarding scene in this yeah. film. Obviously, how are you in real life as skaters? Were you doing any of that for real? I was skating a little bit. Yeah. 
I wasn't uh, doing half pipes and pools and that stuff, but these details. I could, I could, uh, I could handle myself on a skateboard. Yeah, I'm all right. Thinking uh, Tony Hawk did some stunts for you. He did, and he got cut. Yeah, cut. and he, he hurt his leg. Sliced his leg off. Um, unfortunately, hit a little nail in the. But it is. Uh, he doubled me, and no one knows it's him. Okay. So it was a very thankless job. That's pretty but good. We're, we're we're very uh, surprised and thankful that he was willing to do it. Yeah, the stuntman go. That's that's pretty good going. Wow. What about dancing? There's a lot of dancing in this film. Who would win in a dance off? In the I think Will would win. Will is uh, has boundless energy on the dance floor. Yeah. He's dancing to death. It just depends. If it, if it was about choreography and getting steps down, Mark would probably beat me. But if it was just about creative expression, freestyle, I, I think I would win. Uh, when you when you dance in the film, you you have your shirt off, and you both spend a bit of time with your shirts off. Who's more comfortable uh, shirtless in a movie? Well, I wouldn't say I'm comfortable. The embarrassment has just been beaten out of me. <laughs> yeah. You just don't care anymore. I just don't care. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, there's obviously a, a brilliant basketball sequence mm-hmm. in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you either of you uh, basketball players? Do you, do you dunk? Will is closer to dunking than I am, but we played together quite a bit. Yeah. Will's a very good player. You've got the heights, I guess. Well, uh, a, a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. smooth, man. Going yeah. to the basket. We we had some good battles. Yeah. Good battles on the court. Did you get to? Because it, obviously it was filmed at a real life uh, Lakers game. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Lakers Pelicans. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we played uh, in that arena. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Did you get to to spar with any of the the pros? No, I wish. Well, actually, I don't wish because they would have just swatted the ball down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we did. You know, we did get to shoot the scene that you're talking about in the movie at the real halftime of the game uh, we only had you know six minutes and kind of maybe two takes to do it which uh, you know oddly enough was was exciting because you don't really get to do that on a yeah. set a lot of times you know? and they were shocked when I pegged the cheerleader in the head with the yeah. basketball yeah. was she alright? she's recovering she's recovering slowly yeah we send our prayers exactly yeah I hope it's not too much for spoiler to say that uh, John Cena has a brilliant cameo in this film. Right. What, what was it like? I know it's only a small role, but what was it like working with him? And was that? I mean, I felt emasculated just watching him from from the aisle. Like he's an intimidating figure, but he could not be nicer. So it helps offset any sort of any sort of fear you might have yeah. in uh, coming up against him. Uh, no, he, it, it, it's it's such a kind of fun punctuation on the movie, and kind of it's a bit of a role reversal for Dusty's character to kind of be on the other side of it, and uh, ties it up really nicely. So we were you quite enjoyed that. I really did. Yeah. Watching him squirm, <laughs> he was, was great. so happy, so great. <laughs> <laughs> you had um, obviously you had the Rock cameo in the other guys. Uh, yeah, and then you had John Cena in this. Who will be the actor turned wrestler in your next collaboration? The Big Show. Oh yeah, Big Show. Triple, Triple H. No, H? Big Show. Triple you H gonna, still around? Big Show. He's gonna pick you up by the ankle <laughs> like that. I would like. I, I want that'd be an interesting sensation. Drop you on your head. Well, that part I wouldn't like, <laughs> but to be suspended like that. Have, have either of you considered, you know, getting into the ring? <laughs> you sometimes get celebrity cameos. 
Yeah. You can handle yourself, Mark. I want to fight Will in the ring. We're going to fight each other for charity. I would love to see that. Yeah, Wembley Stadium. To sell out Wembley Stadium. Yeah. Will you be the guest referee? I, sure. I, I mean, I, I'd be pretty terrified to be inside that ring. No, 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 you're just the referee. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, but wrestling, you know, the referees get... Sometimes get pulled into it. They get pulled in, yeah. 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 True. Hmm. Well, I guess we won't do it then. Uh, unless you're willing to referee. I'll, I'll see what I can do. I'll, I'll check my diary. Okay. In, in the other guys, uh, one of my favourite scenes is where you discuss who would win in between a, a lion and a tuna. <laughs> right. Who, who do you think is the ultimate victor in this scenario? Like, can we settle this once and for all? Uh, the, the lion, the tuna mm-hmm. argument? Well, I think I proved it in the movie. That you made a very convincing argument. Yeah. yeah. The tuna would get all of his tuna friends. And uh, destroy the lion in a sophisticated uh, attack. Yeah. I was yeah. tasting a lot of sashimi, baby. <laughs> a lot of sashimi. The lion would be outnumbered. But if it was one tuna. One tuna? One lion, in a wrestling ring. I'd just drag that time. lion out to, way out to sea until <laughs> he was oh, too yeah. tired. He'd be eating a lot of sushi. You know what? It, there's only one way to find out. After the wrestling match, the charity wrestling match at Wembley, yes, we'll then have a lion and a tuna fight each other. <laughs> that'll be the exhibition. In a tank. Was, that'll be yeah. kind of it'll it'll be back to the <sighs> the undercard. Back to the days of the Roman Coliseum. We'll just have weird <laughs> things fighting each other. Yeah. Okay. Big deal. Yeah. We got to start marketing this thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we very much look forward to that, guys. Thank you so much for speaking to us. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks thank for having us. Appreciate it. Cheers. Pleasure. Uh, that was Mark Wahlberg and uh, Will Ferrell. And now it is time for some movie news. Got a lot to discuss and not a lot of time to discuss it because we need to talk Star Wars. So what's happening? That that's gives people some good news to, to keep them, to tide them over over the Christmas break. Glad tidings. There are reports that Kurt Russell is in line. Wait a minute. Hallelujah. Go. <laughs> is in line. Mm-hmm for a role in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> hallelujah! <laughs> Which is great! Yay! Yay. Um, Kurt Russell uh, was recently at the Hate Flight premiere and uh, I was moved to comment on Twitter that he was still super duper handsome. Um, but also he's, <laughs> he's on the top... Why you have to reduce men to commodities, Helen? I'm not reducing him. I'm noting Honestly, that in passing as I go on to talk about his great roles at the moment. Just, um, you're just objectifying a really great handsome man. You're the one who just stripped and oiled two guys at the start of the podcast yes but I had to fit them into a box I had a busy schedule I had to eat Tiny Tim for the love of God (laughs) so anyway Kurt Russell um, who is on a total roll at the moment uh, Hateful Eight is coming up Uh, spoiler we liked it a lot and he's also uh, in another western uh, in February called Bone Tomahawk which also spoiler we really like and he sports magnificent moustaches in both of those it's not clear yet whether he will have a magnificent moustache in Guardians of the Galaxy or indeed if he will take the role. All we know that is that he is in talks and that they would like him for it. Um, he would be playing Peter Quill's dad. Now, yes. we we believe that this is not the person it is in the comic, mm-hmm. but we don't know for sure who it is yet. Yes. There is some suggestion it might be <clears throat> Captain Marvel. But that is wild speculation at the moment. Yes. And in no way even close to being anything confirmed. Indeed. Or Adam Warlock or all kinds Indeed. of other yeah. characters in the cosmic side of the Marvel Universe. You know, that's not dwelling this too much. It hasn't happened yet. But if it does, it'll be awesome because Kurt Russell is awesome. Even if you were playing himself, I could actually <laughs> buy that. I could buy the Kurt Russell. 
is would an, turn out to is be a super Peter powerful yeah. alien who Absolutely. is Peter Quill's. Yeah, you know what? That would except he would never cheat on Goldie Hawn that way with Peter Quill's mum. But he may have met Peter Quill's mum before Goldie Hawn. What if Goldie Hawn? Okay, all right. Well, maybe, maybe they, no, maybe I think did. The, the numbers yeah. might work out. Yeah. Yeah. What if Laura Haddock is a young Goldie Hawn? <gasps> This would explain almost everything. Everything. It would explain, almost everything. It would explain certainly Bird on a Wire. <laughs> uh, but I don't know about everything I don't else. know how. But it would explain Kurt Russell's amazing hair. Yes, it would. It would explain that. It would explain his swashbuckling swagger. It would. It would explain why he's a space angel. It would explain why he looks so good in a in an eye patch. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It'd be great. But yeah, I've been saying that um, someone, some burgeoning universe, snap this man up. And I think I've been saying for a while that he would be a perfect Peter Quill's dad. Well, and um, here we are. And there's proof on Twitter. If you want to go and search my Twitter feed, good luck to you. There's over 60,000 tweets. <laughs> uh, but I definitely did tweet to that effect a while ago. Kurt Russell is amazing. There's another There's other space news, isn't there? Yeah, uh, where, quite, um, quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, it's space, big, apparently. Space week. It's space. <laughs> why is that? Why Why has everyone just brought all the space news out this it's week? It's weird, all isn't it? Kind of. Yeah, so some new trailers dropped, almost as if there was a gigantic film coming up that they might want to go in front of, <laughs> which... But sisters opened right. last week. You're right. I, I don't think they thought this through. Um, but there were trailers this week for Independence Day colon resurgence. resurgence is there a colon I don't think there's a colon so Independence Day some kind of punctuation resurgence <laughs> uh, question mark and also mark. Star Trek no punctuation beyond yes so what did we think of those okay I watched them I've watched trailers this, this is a, see you're you're learning you're growing as a person uh, if you're new to the podcast uh, Emma is new to the team and one of the first things we first learned about her is that she doesn't watch trailers because of just weird reasons also her Twitter handle is really weird <laughs> I, I want to ask you about that very quickly I am not Wayne Gale is your Twitter handle yeah I love Robert Downey Jr. Uh -huh. It was me, I think, being very pretentious when I started on this little journalism road a few years ago. And I thought, you know, Wayne Gale in uh, Natural Born Killers has no morals as a journalist. Uh -huh. And You've darn it, right I have morals. So okay. it, was, it was purely that. I am not Wayne Gale. Okay. There's yeah. no logic to it whatsoever, but... Well, there's, I mean, me. that's some form of logic. Yeah. It's, you know, maybe not your finest logic, but it's no. fine, yeah. <laughs> there um, is an Emma Thrower on Twitter. Exactly. There's also, that's also why. There's also an Emma Thrower on Twitter. Uh, but getting back to the news, yes, which yeah, we yeah. have to get through. Um, yeah, so watching trailers when I have to, I definitely do that. I actually, I know this is contrary to what most people think, but I actually quite like Star Trek Beyond trailer because it was colourful and just a bit of a breath of fresh air and all of the sort of uh, sci-fi slash supernatural slash superhero films seem to be very, very dark mm. at the moment. I thought it was fun. I loved the use of Beastie Boys' sabotage. Um, no, I I think, you know, there's... Um... Get a new song, Kirk. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> He's been listening to that one for 20 know, years. But it's, but it's a great song. It is a great song. Maybe it's like me, you can't make out the lyrics. I can never understand what the Beastie Boys are saying. What? They're really I clear. No, they're not. They're just... And I'm going, I don't know what you're saying. I mean, they, they talk nonsense, but it's really clear nonsense. I don't know. It's quite similar to Klingon. And like, they actually, of course, was it that song that they actually referenced? No, it's not. It's intergalactic. They talk about Mr. Spock. So there is a link there that predates the 2009 film. By see, Nick distance. and I have a game where now and again in the office he'll put on Beastie Boys tracks and then and it, it challenge me to see what they're saying. And I, like, one word in 20. You're so weird. One <laughs> word in 20. Um, I'm kind of with you on this somewhat. Oh, in that uh, I think it's good that they are actually going boldly to new places um, because I think they're, they're, we, we've seen them enough 
visiting races that we already know and that you know that we're already familiar with so there's a lot to be said for bringing that flavor of the show into the into the movies my biggest bugbear with the trailer was i don't want to see the enterprise destroyed again thanks very much it had an impact in what was it search for spock but Mm -hmm. now it's just like stop stop Um, attacking generations i know well this is the point (laughs) it's been done several times now and and i don't like it and i like the enterprise and i want it to be okay again it's kind of you know has it earned it at this point exactly did star trek into darkness earn its big not only its big reveal but its big kind of twist to ruby you know who quote unquote dies i'm not going to give too much away in terms no. of i'm not going to say i'm not going to name names but you know had it earned that at the moment in, in ratha khan it had an emotional impact because you you know these characters have been together for years and years and years and and does will it have the same impact here there's a shot in the trailer of kirk looking forlornly uh through an escape shuttle as the uh the enterprise is broken apart or the saucer section at least is broken apart yeah. and uh you know i just kind of feel like he's on this point but on this ship maybe two three years i mean you know, most, certainly yeah. i'd be annoyed if someone through space dust at my my flat but <laughs> but yeah it's it's yeah I'm, I'm a bit upset about that I am very pleased however to see a little bit of interaction between Spock and Bones I think Bones yeah. especially was really ill served by Into Darkness and we need to see much more of him it is a triumvirate that it's not just Kirk and Spock it is the threesome mm-hmm. um, if you will so uh, so I'm, I'm glad about that I I don't know about the villains yet. I don't know anything about the plot, really. And I do think, you know, people have said, oh, it's too poppy, too action-y. I mean, it's a trailer. Yeah. They're not going to put the talky scenes in, so we've got to hope that there's some substance there as well. Absolutely. Uh, Idris Elba seems to be glimpsed in the uh, in the piece as a... Uh, if James Darwin were here, he could probably already identify the, uh, the race, <laughs> uh, but as a blue-faced alien. And I'm thinking to myself... Uh, I sound like Charlie Nicholas in Soccer Saturday. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, Jeff. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking... That must be a hell of a role if he has uh, willingly succumbed to that level of prosthetics yeah. for this. So so fingers crossed. Fingers bloody well crossed with Star Trek Beyond. And also Independence Day Resurgence! Uh, exclamation mark. Um, <laughs> I like this trailer. My, I, I think this film is going to uh, hit that nostalgic sweet spot that Jurassic World did this year where people, are, you know, it's a, it's a sequel that you maybe didn't most people really didn't think that they wanted or know that they wanted and then this movie's going to come along and remind them of how much they loved the original yeah. um, and they're going to go out and see this one um, and certainly this one's more of a sort of legacy movie I guess because it has Jeff Goldblum and Bill Pullman in it they're up front and centre in the in the, uh, in the, uh, in the trailer yeah I, I, I'm excited only, yeah. I'm excited my only concern is that the first movie had that USP of we are blowing the shit out of the world's greatest landmarks and recognisable cities and this one I think will have that to an extent mm. but I wonder about that and obviously it's much darker the tone seems to be much darker than, than the first movie which was a you know despite killing billions of people was a bit of a romp um, so I'm, I'm intrigued to see you're how so this one you're so dark today you're so dark more for me to eat <laughs> More charred corpses for me to eat. Um, and then, I don't know what's happening. I don't know. But I'm pleased to see Jeff Goldblum in anything, and Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. He would improve everything. Yes. Including this podcast. So, Jeff, if you're listening, <laughs> and I know you are, get in here. Get in here now. Quickly, before, before I say something more depraved. Um, uh, just very, very quickly, earmuffs, if you don't want to know any spoilers for Independence Day Resurgence, exclamation mark, but this week the Independence Day website updated with some info about the whereabouts of Will Smith's character, because Will Smith (gasps) 
Famously didn't come back for the for the sequel. He chose to do Suicide Squad instead. Countdown to spoiler warning. Five, four, three, two, one. He's dead. He's deed. They, they deadified him. Wow. Yeah. And now one, two, three, four, five, and we're back. I cannot <laughs> believe they killed Will Smith in between those movies. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. Five, four, three, two, one. We have stopped talking about how Will Smith is killed in between Independence <laughs> Day and Independence Day research. Jig. Five, four, three, two, one. We're back in the room. Good. Okay. Okay. Everyone, spoiler free, and we can move on with our lives. Um, and very, very quickly, another bit of space news. Uh, Catherine Waterstone, uh, who is great, obviously in Inherent Vice, mm-hmm. uh, is the daughter of, of Sam Waterstone, aka Jack McCoy in Law and Order. That's the most important part of this news story. She is. No. She signed on to star in Ridley Scott's artist, formerly known as Prometheus Two, Alien Covenant. Ooh. Colon Covenant, I believe. Sure. Alien Colon Covenant as the as the lead, as um, um, a, a space lady, an astronaut. Uh, I, think, uh, called, I think that's the usual that, word, yeah. That's the right word. Uh, called Daniels, who travels to this planet called Covenant uh-huh. and thinks it's some sort of, part, well, along with her crew, they think it's a paradise and they turn out to find <gasps> Tim Peake. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. I didn't think he was going that far off world. Yeah, but oh. <laughs> apparently he does. Um, <laughs> or they fight Michael Fassbender's David. Oh, one of the two. So that's all our movie news. Uh, I will say next week, uh, I'm probably not allowed to say too much about this uh, this thing yet, but next week, our final issue of the year goes on sale. Uh, it is a cracking issue. Loads of great stuff uh, inside the issue. Uh, Deadpool is on the cover doing things that you might expect Deadpool who breaks the fourth wall to do and if you don't subscribe to Empire on the iPad or other other devices then perhaps you should oh yeah that's all I'm going to say but it's very good yeah it is all good and evil news agents um, so go and check it out in digital form or, or paper it's very very good but I can't say too much about the what's actually inside the issue just yet sorry guys now it's time for our last guest of the year as we look ahead to next year. Uh, Tom Hooper is the Danish girl, the story of... So Eddie Redmayne plays mm-hmm. a character called initially Einar, who's a Danish artist living at the beginning of the 20th century. So he comes to realise his transgender nature and becomes the first person to undergo sex confirmation surgery. There we go. Uh, it's out on January 1st and a Junior Nugent spoke to Tom Hooper in London recently. Do enjoy. So we are very glad to be joined on the Empire Podcast by Tom Hooper. How are you, sir? I'm good, thanks. Nice to... Thanks for having me with you. It's very good to have you. We are obviously here to talk about The Danish Girl. I I understand this film, or at least the script, has been floating around for about 15 years now. How how did it arrive on your table? And and do you think it would have been possible to have made it 15 years ago? It's a good question. I mean, I I, I, uh, fell in love with this extraordinary script by Lucinda Coxon seven years ago, late 2008. I was in early uh, talks about directing the King's Speech, um, and I was blown away and moved by this, you know, extraordinary love story um, between this pioneering couple, uh, whose story I didn't know at all. And, um, and, you know, so for me, it's been a seven-year journey to bring it to the screen, but that makes me a bit of a newbie or a newcomer on this film because you know my producers Gail and Anne have been fighting since 2000 uh, to make it David Evershoff wrote his novel in the late 90s he's coming up to 20 years since he wrote it uh, so if anyone's prescient it's you know probably David um, um, but you know uh, what's interesting is when I fell in love with it it was considered a difficult film to finance a hard film to cast to put together now 
you know, people tell me it's in the zeitgeist or it's timely. Um, it's, you know, such a extraordinary shift in just the seven years I've been involved. And I think that's, you know, thanks to extraordinary television like um, Transparent. Um, you know, Jill Soloway's achievement's amazing there. Um, it's thanks to, you know, Laverne Cox, Orange is the New Black. It's thanks to Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, all, all these things have, have, have sort of opened up, I think, popular consciousness to, to trans issues and trans stories in a way uh, like no other time, you know, since certainly I've been making films. So, you know, it's an exciting moment to release the film. It's a very different moment from, you know, what it would have been like if, we'd, if I'd made it in 2008. And obviously we have Eddie Redmayne as a star of the film. What what drew you to him as a as a lead actor? I mean, obviously you worked with him before, but was I mean was the fact that he makes for a very convincing and very beautiful woman uh, a, a factor in in your casting? Um, yes, I mean I think I think you know there's something about Eddie that was already or had been drawn to the feminine. I mean he played girls' parts in school plays. He played. Uh, I think his first job was to be cast by Mark Rylance as Viola in, in Twelfth Night. So, you know, Mark saw something in him and, and cast him as a woman, not a man, in his first role. Um, um, so, you know, he, he came to this film with a body of work of playing female characters. And I, I felt almost like I had a, a, a quest a little bit like Gerda, uh, played by Alicia Vikander in the film. Gerda's an artist who becomes... Uh, preoccupied or even obsessed by the femininity latent in her husband and starts to draw it and paint it and and actually her best art is this series of paintings called the Lily Paintings and and I felt I had a parallel quest of with my cinematographer Danny Kern and my team of of exploring Eddie's femininity and helping Eddie to explore that in order to to reveal um, this character Lily. Did you shoot in sequence for this film? Good question. I mean. I always try to be as chronological as possible. As you know, it's it's, it's normally impossible to do it totally uh, because you can't kind of keep revisiting, you know, Copenhagen every time you have a scene in Copenhagen. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we built the Danish apartment and the French apartment and we were able to shoot those scenes chronologically and we did that first. Uh, and so the first two weeks were, were all those intense two-handers and then Eddie said he wanted a long weekend off and I said, no way, I'm mean, going to know you're tired, but that's not going to happen. He said, well, just a Monday. I said, it's not possible. He said, it's the Academy Awards. <laughs> I said, okay. It's pretty good excuse. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Fair cop. Uh, and off he went and, you know, he came back on Tuesday morning straight from the airport, you know, basically straight back to work I mean it was kind of incredible like his head wasn't turned by I mean you know we talked about winning an Oscar for five minutes I checked my watch and uh, and 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 we went back straight to it so you know his, the focus of him you know is is amazing I mean you mentioned uh, Les Mis you, you've obviously made him sing live for that uh, you made him dress up as a woman in this film what are you going to do next like <laughs> Well, I mean, actually, his greatest sort of uh, challenge, which he actually sort of failed at, was horse riding. <laughs> I remember on on um, Elizabeth I, we first worked, you know, as he's leaving the room, I said, I said, just one more question, Eddie, you know, can you ride? And he said, oh, yeah, of course. And you know, cut to, you know, three months later, Lithuania, Helen Mirren on the balcony, Jeremy Irons. You know, 400 Lithuanian extras in full battle gear, Eddie Redmayne at the centre of a, you know, phalanx of 20 horses. <laughs> I call action. The horses run towards us. When they're meant to stop and engage the enemy, Eddie Redmayne managed to sail through, through the, through the extras, through the crew, out the other side, totally out of control. And I got on the megaphone and shouted, "You're a fucking liar, Redmayne." <laughs> <laughs> so actually, actually, our relationship, our work relationship, was distinctly improved because yeah. you know uh, he claimed he could sing and he could sing. <laughs> 
the transgender community obviously are very protective mm. of, uh, of depictions of transgender people. What's been their reaction to the film and, and, and to Eddie's portrayal? I mean, we've had some very exciting reactions. I mean, we we, we got to um, screen the film and talk about uh, and then do a panel at the White House uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I was wow. on, a, on a panel with Jill Soloway, who wrote and directed uh, Transparent, and uh, Jeffrey Tambor, who plays the lead. Um, and it was a the day was called Champions of Change. It was celebrating LGBT artists and activists who've really made a difference in in that community. Uh, but for me, the mo- you know to, to to your question, I mean, the most moving experience of screening it for a trans woman was was actually Jennifer White, who was. Um, one of my musical directors on Les Miserables, who, who's a trans woman who was going through transition, actually, when we were shooting Les Mis, and Jennifer played the piano for Eddie when Eddie sang Empty Chairs, Empty Table. She was playing the piano accompaniment. A lot of Jennifer's emotion is in the score of Les Mis because she played a lot of the piano accompaniment to the singing. And um, I screened it for her before I locked the film because I wanted to screen it for someone, a trans woman that I knew well and had worked with previously. And when the lights came up, her, you know, her face was tears on it. And, and she said, how did you know? How did you, how did you know, Lucinda know, Eddie know about what it felt like? It felt so true to her experience. And, 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 and that was, for me, kind of, I just felt, well, I'm not screening to anyone, but this, this screening, are we going to beat any of the yeah. screening I do? I do. Yeah. It's very moving. Yeah, that must be very gratifying. Um, it's been five years since you won Best Director mm. Oscar for The King's Speech. What, what are your memories of that evening and how has your life changed since then, if at all? Well, I mean, the, the thing you probably people don't realise about what it's like, or certainly it was like for me, was that as the moment approaches, your suspense about whether you've won or not is overtaken by the fear of public speaking. In other words, if you do win, you have to get up and make a speech in front of possibly half a billion people live. And, and that fact becomes terrifying as the mode approaches and, and eclipses the, 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 the suspense about whether you've won or not by quite a long way. And and then I thought about the irony of the fact that I was there for a film about a man who is afraid of speaking in public <laughs> and there yeah. I'm sitting there being afraid of speaking in public. Yeah. Um, but, but Ricky Gervais had given me some advice and said, you know, first of all, just get up to the microphone without falling flat on your face. And if you get to the microphone without falling flat on your face and you can congratulate yourself of not making a tit of yourself. Uh, so that's a good start. So I remember I got to the microphone. I thought, well, I, well, you know, I followed Ricky's advice. I haven't done that. So I should, you know, give myself a moment of credit for the fact I haven't really, <laughs> I've done okay so far. And then I kind of looked out in the audience and I saw my mum there who was, who was with me. And of course, as you probably know, she, she had in an extraordinary set of events found the script of the King's Speech, which she'd been invited to a play reading of the King's Speech at a fringe theatre in London by some friends. Um, and, and I suddenly had that awareness that I was lucky enough to win an Oscar when my mum and dad were still alive and were in the audience and I was able to honour them in the speech and actually it was great. You're obviously an Oscar veteran now. Uh, have you got any tips for, for newcomers to the game? I mean, it's a, a four-hour ceremony. Do you pack a lunch? I don't know. I mean, it's so. It, I found it so surreal because in the commercial breaks, I found Steven Spielberg sitting in front of me and Steven and I ended up having a conversation about Les Mis because he, he at one point considered directing Les Mis. So I was like... I'm having conversation, getting advice from Spielberg about directing my next film at the Academy Awards. The whole thing was so surreal. I, 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 I just didn't quite know what to do. So, so I suppose my only advice would be if you're in that, lucky enough to be in that situation, enjoy the surrealism of it. Yeah. It's not every day. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, good luck with the film. We thank really you. Really appreciate it. Thank Tom you. Hooper, thank you very much. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers.
Okay, that was our last guest of the year, Tom Hooper. Uh, his film, The Danish Girl, is out on January 1st, as is uh, David O. Russell's Joy. And then next week on Boxing Day, we have Daddy's Home and Ron Howard's In the Heart of the Sea. We won't be reviewing those in this edition because we're about to talk Star Wars until our faces turn blue. But we're back on Jan 8th. But what we will say is, Danish Girl, four stars. Very good. Go see it. Joy, three stars, which, as we always say on the podcast is a recommendation uh, Daddy's Home three stars as well and in the Heart of the Sea sadly just a two star film for Chris Hemsworth fighting a giant whale and starvation and the elements and all sorts of stuff as well uh, and he doesn't have his hammer he doesn't I, it, it, it's, it's a problem a, it cripples him it's a difference. big problem it would have made a huge difference mm-hmm. but we do have one film to talk about this week uh, it's out already in cinemas you may have heard of it it's a little film called Star Wars The Force Awakens we will obviously be tiptoeing around this one very carefully here just in case you haven't seen it and we know people would like to yell spoilers and we're very careful about that but obviously we do have the spoiler special podcast it's out on Monday 21st of December uh, in which the Empire team tackle a lot of complex thorny issues in the film and uh, and try and answer the big questions and for that podcast we may have an interview with Lawrence Cast and the writer of the film it's not entirely 100% confirmed yet so don't go in expecting that and it certainly won't be a two and a half hour Chris McQuarrie esque marathon. <laughs> but here we go. Okay, spoiler free Force Awakens review. Helen wrote the Empire review. She gave it four stars. A wise choice to avoid five on a Star Wars film. Believe <laughs> me, those I things come have. back to bite you. I would yeah. have. There, there is a 20 minute period near the end of this film where I thought, oh my God, it is a five star film after all. Okay. Um, and then it, what, it didn't quite maintain that level. And, and I thought certainly the first hour for me had not maintained that level, so I went four in the end. It felt, felt fairer, but it was a strong four okay. for me. Totally agree. So what shall we? What can we say? Now what? here, I'll be all right. Let me just say this: we were accused frequently on Facebook of having spoiled the film in our review. Let me just say there is not a single spoiler in that review, nor will there be one in this review. However, we are going to talk about the premise of the film. And if you consider that a spoiler, mm. stuff that's in the opening crawl in the opening 15 minutes, then stop listening now. We gave it four stars. Go with God. Come back to us later. Yes, there's a, there's a lot to like about this film. So go and enjoy it. Star Wars yay it's back I got goosebumps in the first if, you know the, the, when the, the logo comes up the Lucasfilm yep. logo comes up the, 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 the words a long time ago in the galaxy far far away come up then the music kicks in then you get the crawl and I had goosebumps but for me there's a lot, there's a lot to like about this film um, I, I yes the guy who gave Attack of the Clones five stars is not entirely on board with this but I liked <laughs> I liked a lot of it um, obviously I didn't, I'm not going to give Attack of the Clones five stars now I don't like the film anymore it's not very good but anyway the point is yeah. this movie there's a, there's a lot of great things in it. There are definitely. Now it does introduce these new characters: uh, Ray, played by Daisy Ridley, mm-hmm. Finn, John Boyega, mm-hmm. um, Poe, Oscar Isaac, and Kylo Ren, played by Adam Driver. Yes. Um, all of whom are varying degrees of very good to fantastic. Nobody's really bad. Uh, I personally would have uh, given Ray a few more scenes to really develop her character, um, but. I know a lot of people who who are in love with her as she is, so fine. Um, I think Poe disappears, and this is a problem a lot of us have had. Poe disappears for a good chunk of the film, and we would like more from him because, again, he just seems like a dude. He's very, very good. Uh, Need more Poe Dameron. Need more Poe Dameron. I would say. Um, But we have, I think, well, certainly I have basically no caveats 
about Finn or about Kylo Ren, both of whom I thought were absolutely terrific. John Boyega is so funny in this. Charismatic, charming, mm. keeps the pace up, seems to have great chemistry with every single cast member, absolutely. from the Wookiee to the droids. I mean, he's just a force of nature. And uh, Pun intended? <laughs> kind of. And then uh, Kylo Ren, I just thought was... Well, I said, and and I I have been called indefensible in saying this. Yes, you have. That he's the best Star Wars villain, but I just think he's utterly brilliant. Let's, but let's just examine that statement, shall okay, we, Helen? Sure. Uh, he's the best Star Wars villain. Yeah. Now, this is a franchise that has given us Darth Vader. Yeah. Arguably the greatest non-Hans Gruber villain of all time. <laughs> the Emperor. Yeah. Who's pretty evil. Sure. Darth Maul, who doesn't get to do a lot, but is Darth Maul. Uh, and who can who can argue with either General Grief? <coughs> not going to that, but certainly the Emperor and Fader. Mm. You are you are you know I respect you as a colleague. I respect <laughs> you as a human being, and I respect your opinion of this film. It's a very good review, and I think you got it bang on. However, <laughs> I think in this in this one instance, you took temporary leave of your sanity. Yeah, he's a, a, a an interesting character. There's a lot of complexity to Kylo Ren. I agree. And Adam Driver portrays him very well. However, he is, and I said this in the spoiler special as well. Uh, he's Vader light for me. He is absolutely the opposite of that for me. He's he's better he's than Vader. Full fast. He has Vader. <laughs> he has yeah he is he has like a 15 minute period in this film where Adam Driver basically gives Kylo Ren more weight to his backstory than the whole of the prequels managed to do for Vader. And I thought that was absolutely terrific, both as a performance and as a piece of writing. So I just love him. Anywho, uh, the film is packed with references and and sort of uh, spins on Star Wars past um, to the point where you kind of need a bit more new stuff. But I think maybe this is just setting the scene and then we'll get a bit more new stuff next time. But, you know, there's a lot of references to stuff that's gone before. There's a lot of callbacks. There's a lot of... It's a bit like that bit in the first film where, but this time it's swapped over. Yeah, which is something that that, uh, J.J. Abrams was uh, accused of in Star Trek Into Darkness. And I feel that he hasn't entirely learned his lesson with this movie. Uh, It feels a little bit like Star Wars in the Darkness for me. Like like, That that film took... No, no, that's not a... That's not a criticism necessarily. I'm just saying, with Star Trek Into Darkness, he took Ratha Khan and tried to spin different elements, changed characters, saying different lines, that sort of thing. And it feels like that in this movie to an extent, towards the end as well, where I, I'm not going to say anything, mm. don't worry. But it does feel at times that it's a bit of a cover version of Star Wars with a little bit of Empire and Jedi thrown in for good measure. And there's not a great deal of original stuff in the movie. But what there is, I mean, the first 20 minutes for me are glorious. We meet the new characters. They're great. I really, really like them. Uh, you know, he sets the scene very, very well indeed. Um, the, the the legacy characters, if you will, want to come into them. I'm not going to reveal too much, but we know that Han Solo and Chewbacca are in this movie. Yeah. And they're fantastic. My, my concern is that he presses the reset button on the characters a little bit too much. But... Again, this is spoiler special stuff. We'll get yeah. into that in the spoiler special. In fact, we did. But it's a rollicking good ride. I honestly, personally, I don't know what more Abrams could have done. Uh, the second act definitely lulls a bit for me. Yeah. Um, and I really do believe that he had a job to deliver an accessible, fan-pleasing film. It's that fine line of ticking all the boxes, isn't it? And bringing in new stuff. And I think he delivered in spades. And there are very few people that I think will be disappointed. So it just leaves me intrigued as to what Ryan Johnson and Colin Trevorrow will be able to bring in. Mm. And if any of their style will slip through. Because um, as we keep discussing, this is definitely a part one. 
so it's gonna be really really interesting and I just want to touch on on driver um so I agree I agree <laughs> with I agree with Helen and I I kind of print screened um that quote from you and and put it on Facebook and people were like really and it's that kind of best for me equals favorite he's absolutely my favorite villain mm. but then so few actors sort of get me in the gut emotionally like driver anyway mm. um and I just love the fact that he's an unpolished version of Vader to an extent he just has these sort of fits of anger and just his unconventional acting style mixed with that unconventional style of color and I just think is fascinating yeah he absolutely Although it's Boyega's film for me, I think Driver's definitely the strongest link by a long, long way. I think actually I, that's probably fair. I think, you know, there's there's obviously, I mean, we haven't even talked about the action, the effects, because this is a Star Wars film and you would expect the very best in both. And certainly in terms of the effects work and everything, you pretty much get it. Uh, the action, I think it's interesting that they have... I think JJ's tried to keep something close to a recognisable Star Wars classical style. So even though he has all the digital tricks in the world at his disposal, he hasn't gone, he hasn't pushed the visual effects so much further than they could have gone originally. He hasn't, you know, pushed it that much further. Yeah. Than, than he could have gone before back in 1977. No, absolutely. One of the criticisms of the prequels, one of the many criticisms of the prequels, <laughs> you know, and I even said in the infamous five-star review, is that at times the, the effects looked like they've been produced on a, an Amiga. And it looked really fake and artificial. And this one, I mean, the, you know, the, the, the effects are, by and large, I'd say 99%, absolutely there. The characters are there. There's some great action stuff as well. I have issues... As we'll get into yes, in the spoiler we'll, we'll special, get into that in the spoiler special. Uh, which slightly diminished the film for me, but it, it delivers and it feels like Star Wars. I would say for me, it's not as good as the original trilogy, any of the original trilogy. I think that's fair. Um, and in a way, weirdly, I would have liked a bit more Lucas in the mix. It's just a kind of weird thing yeah. to say, but I think, I mean, from from a visual point of view, the man has an incredible eye. You can criticise the prequels all you want, and they're bad acting and bad scripts and blah, blah, blah. But some of the compositions in the, in the prequel trilogy yeah. are phenomenal. And I kind of feel sometimes this movie needed to slow down a little bit and go for that sort of John Ford vibe. But still, a lot to like about this film. Yeah, I definitely sandwich it in between the two trilogies, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. But I have seen other people say, I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter today going, masterpiece, best one yet. And it's going to be intriguing over the next few uh, few weeks mm. uh, as this film rolls out to see exactly where it, it lies for people yeah. and also how much money it makes. Uh, will it make all the money or all the money and times And then two? some, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Scary, isn't it? Uh, by the time we come back in Jan 8th we'll, we'll know where it is we'll know whether it's coming close to hitting Avatar or whether it's it's kind of going to settle in around that because it's going to make over a billion there's no doubt about that there's yeah. no uh, question about that uh, whether it's going to come close to 2 billion whether it's going to come close to being the biggest one of all time gut feeling? Uh, over 2 billion over 2 billion but not biggest of all time? hard to, uh, that's just I mean that's a, that's a big call isn't it's it? it's a big call it, it's, it's not a rational Decision. If if someone showed you the top twenty films of all time and asked you to guess which one made twice as much as all the rest, yeah, yeah. you wouldn't. I don't think you'd call Avatar. I don't think you would. So I, I don't know how to. Avatar is such a such that. a weird outlier in so mm-hmm. many ways, and it, it appealed to so many people. And this this seems to be going for a niche market. But at the same time, I've heard people who don't really like Star Wars going to see this film. I so. have had at least two people ask me. I've never seen any Star Wars films. How many do I have to watch before seeing this one? <laughs> and for the record, mm. I think you can get away with just uh, episode four. 
Uh, <laughs> it would be ideal to watch the original trilogy, but you can get away with just that one. To be honest, I think the way that uh, Abrams and Kasdan teed up, teed up the film as well, you could probably go in cold. You could, you could go in cold, but you'll lo- you will lose something at that point. You will point. lose it, yeah. yeah, definitely. There's no, I mean, there's no nostalgia, is there? Very quickly then, Emma, gut feeling, biggest film of all time? Trillion. A trillion? <laughs> wow. No. And you I, said I was indefensible. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's got to, surely, hasn't it? I don't know. Cameron's got to be sitting there nervous, isn't he? <laughs> what's what's going to happen? Uh, he's, he's sitting there nervous. He's sitting there looking at Avatar 2 going, yeah, bring it on. He's going, can you give me a, a Star Wars prequel? And also, <laughs> like, I mean, new one. If, if he doesn't have the two biggest films of all time temporarily, he'll, he'll probably still be okay. I know. The tears of a billionaire really get to me somehow. <laughs> right? It's sad. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that is it. Uh, four stars for Star Wars The Force Awakens. That is it for this year's Empire podcast. Uh, we still got some specials to come. So it's a peep show special with Sam Bain and Jesse Armstrong, the writers and creators of the show, talking about the end of the, uh, the, end of peep show, one of the great British sitcoms, uh, and talking about the final episode in spoilerific detail. That's, that's up now on the Empire website uh, for you to listen to our Star Wars The Force Awakens spoiler special, as we've said, is up on Monday, the 21st of December. And then there's our epic annual as reviews of the year often are uh, special uh, which will be up sometime next week we're not quite sure of the date but look for it before the the, the year ends um, we're back on January 8th as I say join us then for more film related fun we'll be joined by David O. Russell director of Joy and we'll be getting our teeth into everything 2016 has to offer until then it's goodbye from Helen Merry Christmas it's if goodbye you celebrate from- it <laughs> if you still it's goodbye from Emma Merry Christmas and yeah other holidays are available <laughs> and it's goodbye from me Merry Christmas Happy New Year if that's your bag um, have a great time please remember to download us when we come back in the meantime that's my alarm which means it must be time to turn Tiny Tim over in the oven oh you're sick give him a good old all over coating <laughs> Merry Christmas see you next year bye bye <laughs>